Learn how to alter your DNA. Expand your consciousness. Heal your body. Attain oneness. Sound, light, heat, vibration, and emotion. Changing us. Learn from the masters and grow wise. Hello and welcome to Health in Action Live. This is Annette Blanchard, holistic health practitioner, bringing you 60 minutes of healthy talk radio and planting some seeds of wellness in that coconut of yours so that they can take root and we can have a paradigm shift in our thinking. This program, as most of you know, is dedicated to planting those seeds of wellness and helping us have a paradigm shift in our, our mind so that we can look at old things in a new way. And we With the new millennium and all of the focus on mindfulness now, um, many people are starting to have to take control of their own health and their own well-being. And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is stem cell and is it really the future of medicine? Because every year there's hundreds of thousands of people that suffer from chronic and sometimes debilitating pain as a result of degenerative disease or even any other number of different health conditions, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, Parkinson's, you know, joint pain, numerous different health conditions. And sometimes that pain changes the quality of their life. And that may even be you or maybe someone that you love and you care about, you know, and pain sometimes limits the capability for living life fully. And it can also interfere with our work, our relationships, mobility, whether you play sports like tennis or golfing, your ability to do even basic things, ability to socialize. And it can also contribute to a myriad of different emotional challenges. And many times when people are suffering um, with pain, they go into a state of depression. Sometimes they go through withdrawals and isolation even and cut themselves off in many ways. And they go through this pain cycle. But you look at, okay, what are your options? There's traditional methods and now there's alternative means. And so many more people are becoming more savvy because we are learning more. There are a lot of side effects to traditional therapies, which often include pharmaceutical drugs. And so when you look at and you weigh out the odds of what are the side effects, and when you hear them on commercials on television or on the radio, and you hear, you know, that it's bleeding, and sometimes it can even include death, you know, um, it makes one think, okay, wait a second, is there another way? And so we want to look for more of a holistic approach with that it has, uh, you know, is minimally invasive as far as the treatments, you know, and treatments that help us help our own body improve our healing capabilities. And this is why we want to look for a new path because many times, as we know, that pharmaceutical drugs appear to control a condition, but they actually really just mask it and they cover up the problem. And so when you look at holistic healing or alternative health, It is about going to the root of what's causing the problem and then addressing it from that standpoint. So many times we've heard that stem cell therapy is the future of medicine. So today we're going to explore that if it's an option for you or maybe someone that you care about. And so I remember a number of years ago, um, I don't know if you recall, there, we, there was a lot of talk about live cell therapy that was coming from sheep or even from sharks. And then many celebrities or people that, that could afford to, that were interested in re- rejuvenation, would fly to Europe and then go down to Mexico. And, you know, a number of years ago when I was with a cancer clinic, many people were going down to Mexico for a stem cell therapy because it wasn't something that was accepted in the United States. And so then you started hearing more about stem cell therapy in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I've had nurses um, and different patients that I know actually travel to Nevada for um, stem cell therapy. So today we have a special guest on the program with us, Dr. Lambert 
Abiyatanga, and he is an MD who is an experienced physician with over 50 years of experience, and he leads a Las Vegas-based stem cell therapy team and clinic, and he's here today to talk to us a little bit about stem cell therapy because he specializes in a recent technique that involves not using, you know, shark or... Um, or sheep, but instead harvesting stem cells from the same person and then re-injecting it back into that person where growth and healing is needed. And he's also been engaged in stem cell research for many years throughout his career. One of the things I want to tell you, though, that I found especially fascinating is when you hear his patients talk about him, this is the type of physician that you want to go to that everyone looks and searches for because the sad truth is many physicians don't listen to the patient or take the time to hear them and I just want to share with you some of the things that patients describe him which are very interesting one of the things was spiritually enlightened and blessed always happy to talk patient with me answering all my questions very focused on my needs and concerns, explained everything. I never felt pressured. I always felt well-informed before making a decision. He was very professional, calm, and extremely patient person. He wanted to help me feel better, and he took good care of me. He was medically skilled and has steady hands. And for a surgeon, you definitely need steady hands. So when you think of this type of a person that's working on your body when you are dealing with pain, this is the type of person that you want to look for. Welcome to the program, Dr. Lambert. Thank you very much for having me, Annette. Well, I'm so glad glad that you've taken the program. Yes. Well, can you give us a little bit about your history and, you know, a little bit about your training? I know that you've been a practicing surgeon for 50 years, you know, and you were, uh, I think, born and raised in Sri Lanka? Yeah, I was born and raised in Sri Lanka, and then I went through my medical career in Sri Lanka and got my so-called MD, MD degree in Sri Lanka, and then uh, I wanted to... Uh, be a surgeon from the age of 15. Uh, I decided to become a surgeon at the age of 15, and I focused on that. And one year after I became a doctor, I went to England, and I joined the Royal College of Science of England and uh, spent a, a few years there and became a, a surgeon in England. And from there on, I uh, uh, came to the uh, United States, And I had to do another residency, of course, uh, to get qualified to be here. And uh, I've been been here in the United States ever since in different states. And uh, so I've been a general surgeon for about uh, almost uh, 50 plus years. And I started uh, in the United States in uh, New uh, New York City and then Mm -hmm. upstate New York. And then I moved over to uh, uh, Palm Springs, California. And finally, after 10 years in California, I came to uh, Nevada, where I've been, I've been here for about 20 years now, and so this is my last place. Oh, well, good. It seems like you have a lot of experience from a lot of different places. You know, when yeah. you think about, you know, choosing to be a surgeon at the age of 15 years old, you know, what inspired you at that young age to become a surgeon? Was there something that happened or that you just, was there, you know, uh, people that were in medicine in your family or is it just something that was a calling that you had that was in your blood? I think it's a calling because I've never been to a hospital. I come from a family of 14 children, one mother, one father, and uh, we never went to the hospital for any major operations. And uh, only my mother went for uh, for childbirth most some of the time. Some of the time the, they were born in, in the house uh, with a midwife and uh, way, way up in the tea mountains in Sri Lanka. And uh, uh, through my uh, school and uh, college, I never even been to uh, had been to an operating room or didn't know, didn't see any surgery at all. But uh, uh, at the age of 15, I won the Open Physics Prize, and uh, 
the principal came to me and asked me, what would you like for your, pres- for your prize? And out of, yeah, I got this uh, uh, idea and I said, I want a book on anything to do with surgery. And I don't, I have no idea how that came to me. I think like divine intervention or whatever you can call it. And uh, so I, uh, at the, at the uh, invocation, uh, the prize giving ceremony, I got a book called uh, The Making of a Surgeon. Hmm. And that, uh, and uh, the title of the book is called The Scalpel, S-C-A-L-P-E-S, Scalpel. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning. And so I read that from page to page. And there it, I solidified my, my uh, vision of becoming a surgeon, crystallized it. And so that ever since then, I had it in uh, as my focus. So everything went on exactly as I planned from year to year. And uh, I always wanted to uh, come to United States. And uh, uh, as a young kid, uh, when I was about 10 years old, I always wanted to meet Roy Rogers and all these cowboy <laughs> heroes that I had as my, as my heroes. And finally, mm-hmm. I met them met them in New York and in uh, Apple Valley, California. And uh, so this goes to show you that if you want to do something, if you have a, a really burning desire for something, make it a passion and then dream about it or write, or write, it, write it and crystallize it and then you can make it come true. You know, that's really good advice because when you think about it, when people take and use that advice and apply it to their health and their well-being, they can actually accelerate the rate in which their body heals. One of the other things, pardon? I said definitely true, yeah. One of the things that um, I thought was particularly fascinating when you think of the mind of a surgeon, right? And, you know, I would, most people would perceive them as very cerebral. But what was interesting during the time and all of the years that you were in practice, you had the good fortune that you said to meet and um, some great spiritual teachers that made an impact on your life. Um, and that were outside the realm of surgery. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that and how it may have influenced your perspective after all of those years of being a surgeon? Did it change the way in which you view a patient, the way that you are doing your work? Yes. The first time uh, I got some introduction to a uh, very uh, world-renowned surgeon, uh, by the name of Norman Tanner from England, he was invited to come to Sri Lanka to operate on a very uh, key figure in uh, Sri Lanka uh, who needed a very difficult surgery. And I happened to be the intern uh, looking after the patient, and so I had a very close communication with this uh, surgeon, and I found that he is a well-known, he's written books on surgery, and is. Uh, uh, and, and he was the humblest person that I ever met. And uh, uh, he told, uh, I, I, I told him that I would like to uh, work with him in England. And he told me to uh, come to England. And the moment you come there, I put your name down on my register. And we'll call you when there's an opening. So when I uh, went to England in 1966, first thing I did was I called up the secretary for the surgeon and then uh, uh, put my name down and of course three three years later he called me up and said I have a vacancy for you you come right down so I, I got the I got the uh, opportunity to work with him for uh, two and a half years and he was the humblest person and he had no ego at all and uh, uh, so I learned a lot a lot about uh, uh, not having your ego you know come uh, in your work and hang your ego at home and go go to work and uh, be a simple person and a humble person. So the humbleness, he was the first one to introduce me to that. And then when I uh, was in New York in 19, uh, 1978, 79, I, I learned about this uh, life health therapy and from then on 
it 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 uh, made a mark in my mind and that someday i'm going to i'm going to uh, learn more about this and then one day i got a call saying that uh, uh, i am needed in a, in somebody's house in upstate new york uh, near the lake district and uh, uh, so i i uh, those days we used to do house calls and uh, so i was told that there is a, a priest from a foreign country who is uh, giving a sermon uh, in on meditation and things and then his interpreter uh is sick and uh, uh, they wanted me to come and see so i drove to the house and uh, who do i see dalai lama dalai lama my dalai lama i had i had heard about him but i never saw him so and uh, so i listened to him for a while and it was it was it was uh, it's magnificent i mean the the aura and the vibrations around that area was so powerful that uh, you you get the 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 compassion and the calmness uh, uh, that uh, that he he, he uh, exhibits you know and then mm-hmm. of course his uh, his interview was examined uh, and, and uh, he had acute appendicitis and uh, so i put him in my car drove him to the hospital did the appendectomy and then two days later i drove him back to his uh, uh, to the uh, house where dalai lama and uh, and he uh, he, uh, he was uh, uh, living for the for that week that he was there mm. so that was the second day. and then uh, when i was in california i was introduced to the to the next person uh, who is uh, satya sai baba he's a, a, a very famous uh, he was a very famous uh, uh, indian guru uh and he he passed away about 5 years ago but uh, i learned about him through a uh, english uh, through an american patient that uh, i had operated on and uh, uh, when i do the property round and she uh, introduced me to this uh, this uh, uh, we 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 call him Swami swami and she she said that uh, he's a uh, healer uh, without doing surgery he he heals with uh, uh, healing ash and also with, with his uh, uh, with, with his hands and so he gave, she gave me a book to read and uh, uh, the man of miracles and i read that book from cover to cover and from then on it like a magnet i was drawn to india so a few months later i happened to be in his ashram in india up in the mountains uh, near bangalore and i had the opportunity to meet him uh, of course you can't talk to him there are about 10000 people visiting him every day but i i got a direct uh, uh, vision of him and happened to be able to uh, touch his feet and worship the feet and uh, uh, i gave him a letter asking him to give me uh, his uh, some Uh, some uh, power to my hand for, to help the patient with my surgery so and uh, and he he's a person that when you hand over a letter he knows exactly what's inside the letter without even reading it through his third eye he he does that and so of course from then on i uh, it really did help me with a very major surgery that i used to do uh, during the you know the ensuing few few years Mm-hmm. and so that was uh, uh sai baba and then he passed away when he passed away then uh, i was introduced by by uh, strange means uh, dreams and uh, and you youtube pop up to another swami ji in uh, india nityananda paramahansa he not he's about 100 miles away from vyasakti uh, sai baba yesterday and then Uh, i was drawn to him like a magnet again like before and i ended up uh, uh, in uh, in his ashram for three weeks and i did a lot of uh, uh, good things during that time and about inner awakening or inner engineering how to be a better person and uh, not have any stresses and not live in the past or in the future but live in the present and all those things were, were actually Uh, you uh, taught by by 
So those are the uh, the key figures in my life that uh, that changed my attitude towards uh, everything, not only towards patients but towards myself and towards my family and my friends too. Wow, that's really wonderful. I've had um, <clears throat> a couple of other people that I know that have had some experience with Sai Baba and um, the Dalai Lama as well. You know, you also mentioned that, you know, you did some, you were, you met Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer, which are also, you know, um, sort of like spiritual teachers to yes. help enlighten other people. Yes. Yes. And, and the, the yeah, Deepak Chopra and, uh, and uh, Wayne Dyer came for a lecture up in Palm Springs, California. And uh, again, I got to them uh, uh, at that time, and then I start. I followed their principles, mostly Wayne Dyer's principles, and until he passed away recently. And then when I came to came to uh, Las Vegas, uh, I, I happened to uh, meet another Sri Lankan friend, Tilak Fernando, and who is also has who also has had some ability to open up people's uh, spaces so that they don't live in a box, but they come out of the box and. And uh, the whole universe opens up to them through uh, just with uh, with uh, simple techniques and uh, with uh, with the, uh, done with the hand and with the with his uh, uh, blowing air and uh, uh, he has helped many 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 uh, people uh, too and uh, so he's another person that has uh, uh, influenced my my life. Okay, so when you Think about those people that have influenced your life, that have crossed your path. You know, when you walk away um, from that experience, could you, uh, you know, you said that it, it taught you uh, a number of different things. Um, what are the primary things that you walk away from, from them, generally speaking? Yeah, number one thing is get rid of your ego. Ego can be a big problem. Ego can lead to so many other problems. So get rid of your ego. And then number two is through Buddha. Uh, you know, originally I, I'm Buddhist too. But I'm, I'm, I'm a born Buddhist. but also uh, encompass other religions like Hindu religion, from uh, Lord Shiva and, and uh, uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, they all talk about compassion. And uh, so that is some, something else that I learned from all these, uh, uh, the, the religious uh, people as well as these other uh, date, other uh, uh, famous people that I have met uh, in my life. And mm-hmm. mostly the being humble and, and being open to uh, uh, possibilities. And uh, as a doctor, listen to the patient will give you a very good clue to your diagnosis. So you don't have mm-hmm. to go through every case with a CAT scan. And nowadays, every time you go to a doctor, there's a problem. They order a series of tests, CAT scan included, you know, and other blood tests. But if you listen to the patient, they exactly tell you where the, where, where the problem is and what to look for. So I learned that at a very early age. But this is something that I, I see that the present day, uh, medical personnel uh, don't do uh, because they have all these other things available for them, the CAT scans and PET scans and uh, ultrasounds and all that stuff. So they depend on that rather than uh, using their brain and your mind and listening uh, to the patient. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about, you know, stem cell. You know, you had been practicing for some time, but, you know, during, for like over 30 years, you had known about it. Can you share with us when it first came to your attention about stem cell research and um, what you learned about it when it, they were using shark and sheep? Yes. Uh, like you mentioned earlier at the beginning, the, uh, 1979, I think, when I first uh, learned about, uh, I got a letter uh, like a, uh, a newsletter, uh, all talking all about uh, the live cell therapy, and so I, I was interested to find out what it was. Then finally, uh, at that time, they didn't say where it came from. Later on, I found out that it came from the placenta of the sheep, 
or the mountain goat or the shark uh, they, they, and they they didn't call it stem cells at the time they called live cells and uh, rich people and uh, celebrities used to go across to uh, Sweden and Switzerland and Austria uh, in Germany and they get these uh, treatments done at very high cost like 25000 dollars a, uh, a shot and they used to come back and they used to live long time and uh, and they they felt better and uh, uh, some of them claimed that their diseases got better and so a lot of uh, american used to start, uh, start going there and then finally uh, they sent the uh, doctor down to mexico so that they didn't have traveled so far and the cost would be a little bit cheaper so they opened up in mexico because they would allow them to uh, practice at the state so i was interested at that time but i was very busy with my surgery working in nine different hospitals in in uh, las vegas so oh i had no time to uh, to go for uh, for anything else to uh, outside the country to uh, to train so in 19 uh, 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 so 2013 uh, when i was 72 years old i uh, had an incident that happened uh, with my family and i said this was the call from the divine for me to stop working and look after the family so i sort of uh, retired uh, from surgery from all the hospitals that i used to go to and uh, um, uh, went with my wife to uh, thailand where we have a home and i thought i'm going to retire there and then travel to sri lanka and then come back here to the united states to see my 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 children and uh, so after a few months in thailand i got really bored because i had been working hard uh, every day of my life for so many years and here uh, people couldn't they didn't speak english except for my wife and few others and so i got really bored and i had nothing to do there and i couldn't drive around because the traffic is so bad that i definitely would die on the road so <laughs> Finally I told my wife that you know I need to go back and start using my brain and my hands again because otherwise I'll I'll go I'll, I'll just atrophy. <clears throat> right? You so realize that retirement is overrated. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, when you retire your brain goes to sleep. <laughs> so yeah. So um so then uh, so my wife was uh, agreed that uh, this retirement is not that you know ideal for me. And so then I thought you know when, when I go back I can't start doing surgery again because it'll be the same uh, you know I'll be ha- I'll have to go drive drive around for nine hospitals and something might happen so I thought something else that should be done so one day uh, it just came to me this time to look into stem cells so I then I started reading about it uh, and then I found that uh, in the past about 10 years they little by little quietly they have been using different forms of stem cells and uh, uh, amniotic membranes for co- uh, corneal operations and things like that so it was getting a little a little by little uh, popular so i thought this might be the uh, thing to do and i read some uh, some article say that this is the future of medicine uh, stem cells and genetics genetic manipulation So mm-hmm. and so that made me go to Germany and then I took a course in uh, regenerative medicine in a in a popular hospital in Germany in Freudenstadt and uh, with that uh, certificate I came back here and opened up my clinic here uh, in 2015 and of course no one in town knew about stem cells so i had no help from uh, any of the doctors because they didn't know anything about themselves so it was a it was a struggle at the beginning to uh, get it known to other people and uh, without getting in the way of the you know different agencies that uh, over oversee all these uh, things that we do mhm well you know anytime you have a pioneer that brings something new and that thinks outside of the box you know that is probably more non toxic you know it, it takes a lot more effort to get it up and off of the ground okay so Very true. when you think about stem cell you said before it used to be classified as like a live cell therapy and now it's called stem cell therapy so what exactly is stem cell therapy okay 
actually as i learned later on uh, by dissecting into what this uh, uh, this uh, life cell therapy was what they were doing was they were getting the placenta from a, uh, a newborn uh, uh, calf and then they pulverize the placenta and get the get the extract and then uh, uh, give it in the form of uh, subcutaneous into the buttocks so then i read some of the reports that they brought back from uh, from these uh, uh, european countries and nowhere did they they say that there were uh, actual stem cells there the product given intramuscular and they were not in a frozen state so they couldn't be cells so what they actually got was the the growth factors from the placenta which of course worked and uh, so that's what they, what they have been doing so then later on they started using uh, using uh, stem cells from the from the person uh, person's uh, abdomen the fat is a very uh, um, the, the the fat of the abdomen uh, mm-hmm. is a good source for dormant stem cells that are left over from the baby and also there is uh, stem cells in the bone marrow so they started using that all over the uh, united states too and then they called it oral of the stem cell therapy and mm-hmm. the, the the person stem cells are only a very few like in hundreds and most of the uh, the growth factors have been used up by the baby in growing up so there are about 7 to 8 growth factors left over so at the beginning uh, what i did was also uh, of the stem cell therapy where you take the blood from the patient's own uh, circulating blood uh, the fat or from the bone marrow and then get the stem, extract the stem cells in a centrifuge and then uh, concentrate it and then mix it up with saline and give it back to them and they had good results they had you know fairly good results and so that's what was done at the beginning okay so in the beginning and you were so So initially what you were doing before is getting some of the the cells from the umbilical blood vessels of babies the amniotic fluid sac and what not and then you sort of like mix it with things and then re-inject it. Sometimes yeah, this is what I do now actually. As I said at the beginning I used the person's own stem cells and okay. what they had and the the platelets they, they called PRP and the PPP. PRP okay. means platelet-rich plasma, and PPP means platelet-poor plasma. So these are the two extracts that you get from the person's blood when you separate the red blood cells and uh, uh, so the leftover is the PRP and the PPP. So this is a very uh, dilute form of uh, stem cell therapy, and you give it back into the patient. So uh, the 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 next stage was of course. the the when the uh, uh, FDA allowed certain laboratories to pick up placenta and from hospitals the designated hospitals where mothers go to have c section and these mothers have been tested uh, extremely uh, uh, to uh, to make sure that they don't have any diseases any drugs or any any other Uh, adverse uh, thing going on with them and uh, they have to be under 45 years old and they have stringent uh, rules and regulations to do that so certain laboratories were uh, allowed to uh, uh, collect this uh, uh, the the placenta so up to then we used to throw the placenta away they just incinerate the placenta so now the hospitals uh, they collect the, uh, from the uh, c section they collect the placenta by the a crew of uh, people sent uh, sent by the the laboratory and then they freeze it and then take it back and then extract different products from the placenta right? up to now there are four different products first one is umbilical cord and the uh, from the, uh, the stem cells not from the blood but from stem cells of the umbilical arteries artery and the, and the veins and uh, Uh, they are lined up with stem cells so they collect that that's called umbilical cord blood cells and then they also get the the jelly that around the umbilical cord which is called the wharton's jelly 
and they have that's very rich in stem cells and growth factors. There are over 200 growth factors in the, in, the, in that. So they collect cotton jelly and make a product out of uh, that. Then the third one is uh, the amniotic complex, which is the amniotic fluid, which is which has the deep urine and uh, mucosa. So they have to be completely sterilized from, uh, and all the debris have to be removed. And then the amniotic membrane, uh, which where uh, inside the uh, where the baby uh, lives in, in, so that is full of stem cells. So they have they collect that one too, and this is also very rich in growth factors, over 200 growth factors. So this is the the third one. The fourth mm-hmm. one now is that uh, uh, finally through a, a filtration process, they have been uh, they have been. Uh, 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 alive and also they have been uh, able to collect the stem cells and then open up the stem cells uh, by filtration and collect the the ingredients that are inside the stem cells and these mm-hmm. are called exosomes and uh, these are tiny tiny nanoparticles where we have really tiny particles uh, also called signaling proteins these they come in billions, and so these when they when you inject this one into a person, it can it easily go through the blood blood brain barrier. The stem cells are too large to uh, some of them are too large to go through the blood brain barrier. So uh, for a neurological problem, if you're treating with stem cells, uh, it will not uh, uh, have enough go through the blood brain barrier. So, but this little particle that we have now called the uh, easily traversable, travel, they can easily traverse the blood barrier and uh, be effective for all neurological problems. So those are the four things that we have now. And uh, I'm sure uh, in time to come, there will be some more uh, uh, things will be available. Now, is there a different, um, when different people have different conditions, does that dictate um, the source uh, that you would choose as far as the stem cell? Because obviously there's several different sources. Um, do they all do the same thing? Uh, actually, uh, a good question. Because some people say, okay, treat my knee. And so they have arthritis of the knee, treat my knee. So, and, uh, so most, most clinics uh, that I know of, they just inject the stem cells into the knee. And there's a particular type of stem cells. Uh, you don't need uh, a large amount of exosomes or stem cells, but they have the mostly the growth factors, and uh, to make the cartilage and the and the uh, and regenerate uh, the the ligaments inside the joint. So, uh, so most of the clinics, I think, what they do is they inject the the uh, whatever the, they choose to uh, inject into the knee joint. But I have a little bit different approach. Uh, the uh, problem right? When a person has, uh, example, arthritis to the knee, so that knee that he complains of is not the only place that is there. All these uh, free radical formation goes right throughout the body because we are exposed to all these free radicals from from LED lights and uh, smoke and uh, uh, alcohol right. and all the other drugs that we take and everything else. So the the problem is throughout the body. So if you if you uh, if you just select uh, one little joint and uh, or one big joint and treat that joint, you're not treating the whole body. So I have a different uh, uh, aspect of treating the uh, doing stem cells that we wear. First, what I do is I, I uh, uh, after I do, do the examination and where it's needed, what I do is I uh, take the patient's own blood and unless they have cancer or some, uh, some, you know, some dreaded disease, take the patient's own blood, about about 20 cc of blood, and then I put it in, in, the, in the centrifuge and collect the PRP and the PPP from the from that patient. So during that time, which takes about uh, uh, 20, 10 to 20 minutes, I perfuse the whole body with uh, mega doses of uh, vitamins and minerals that are essential for, essential for each cell of the body to perform its function. Now, we are nutritionally very deficient, even though we think we eat good, all the food is processed or cooked, and the nu- nutrients are gone. So we, get, so we are all nutritionally deficient. So uh, stem cells will, I think, that 
will work uh, much better if the, all the cells are you know you know uh, optimally optimally yeah uh-huh. <coughs> healthy excuse me <coughs> so um that 45 minutes uh, is spent giving the giving the the vitamin and the mineral therapy now during that time i put the the PRP and the PP from the patient in a laser machine to activate because these are dormant uh, products that are in the, in the body of the person. So I activate them through a laser machine. Okay. After activation, then only I, I open up the, the various different... Uh, I, I always give <coughs> excuse me, stem cells uh, that, that come from the umbilical cord and the amniotic uh, the exosomes intravenously first <laughs> um after that so the reason why i do that is that uh, when you give it intravenously it goes into all the through the blood stream it goes into all the organs and and structures that have blood vessels so if it's a knee joint the knee joint capsule and the muscles around the knee joint will also get perfused with the stem cells and the growth factors. So when you inject the knee joint after that, it has a much better chance of healing the knee joint because the whole joint around surroundings are also perfused with the stem cells. Mm-hmm. When, and uh, any other joint that has been uh, affected but not showing yet symptomatically will also get get the uh, healing effect it may make, make the make the body uh, itself okay i have a question if i if i had somebody that say they're like they're 94 years old they've had you know trauma to their ankles so now there's an alignment issue in the bones right and um when they walk there's like constant pain is there something is like stem cell uh, actually an option for someone like that? Well, the stem cell will not uh, will not do anything for the for the uh, anatomical abnormality that they from having a, a bad arthritis for a long long time or the, any uh, deformity from healing. It will de- it will definitely take away the pain and help to if there's any cartilage left. It will help to develop some more cartilage uh, to enhance what she has already, and then uh, uh, that will reduce the pain. The stem cells—they are very, very intelligent uh, cells. They have anti-inflammatory properties, mm-hmm. and they have angiogenesis, which means uh, formation of new blood vessels. So if there are no not enough blood vessels in that area; it will form new blood vessels. Then you have uh, uh, immune modulation properties. That means yeah, if they have a uh, immunity with uh, uh, being uh, being uh, rejecting because of uh, they are um, they are sensitized by uh, to the all their own tissues, they should take care of that problem by increase the, the modulating the immune system. And also they have a, uh, they have an anti tumor effect. So they are also for uh, for to preventing uh, cancer, but it will, it will treat the cancer. It can prevent, and also it can uh, it can put a uh, put a uh, uh, like a break on the cancer, so it can go that growth that fast. So those are the four main uh, effects of uh, stem cells, and also stem cells can can replicate and become another stem cell, or it can differentiate. So. So what does that mean when you say that they can replicate into similar cells? So does exactly. it go to really where the body is damaged and then works on repairing those types of cells? Right. That that is a differentiation. So the the replication is to make more and more stem cells available. Differentiation is to they they are so intelligent they know they'll if it's a muscle that's bad it'll go and form muscle cells like you. Inject into the heart, it will form heart cells. If you inject into the somewhere else, it will it will make a heart cell there. It will make a different muscle cell. If you inject into the joint, you can it will know. I had to remove. I had to go and repair the cartilage or the ligaments there. So it's so so intelligent. And also 
these different organs that we have, kidneys and liver and spleen, they have their own stem cells as well. Now, we haven't come to the state that we go and uh, get stem cells from each organ and start, you know, injecting it back. Uh, that That's not that's in the future probably, uh, getting stem cells and then growing it in the lab and then making a new kidney or a new heart or you know outside uh, on a bench and then put it back into the patient. That, that those will be coming later on, and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, right now it is not available. So uh, the best we can do is uh, uh, for especially for cases that are logical, like example, <laughs> post stroke after stroke paralysis or even uh, uh, cerebral palsy or kids who drown in the pool who get became who become almost like cerebral palsy and uh, <clears throat> uh, Alzheimer's disease or different kinds of dementia and Parkinson's disease autism uh, ALS MS multiple sclerosis these are all uh, are, are being treated with uh, uh, the exosomes and stem cell therapy. Some are injected into the spinal uh, the circulation through a lumbar puncture or a systemal puncture in the in the neck, or uh, given intravenously with uh, mannitol, so that the op- mannitol opens the blood-brain barrier, so the stem cells can quietly, you know, cross the barrier and go into the brain. Mm-hmm. Also, if you give stem cells through the nose, through a through a um, uh, nasal uh, uh, spray. Then there's an area in, in, inside the nose that has a direct communication with the brain. So it can go right into the brain that way too. So these are different ways of giving the stem cells. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, has anybody ever had any problems as far as a rejection or side effects or anything like that when they've had stem cell therapy? No, these stem cells are so early. They are within one hour uh, of birth of the baby. And they have no time to develop all this uh, uh, going against other people's uh, uh, tissues. So they uh, have had no reason whatsoever. And uh, I've, been, I've been doing this for four years now. And I haven't seen any bad side effects. Some people have a little uh, feeling of warmth or feeling of cold or like an early, uh, like a mild uh, flu-like uh, syndrome. So I, I'm not sure whether it, that's be associated with uh, the stem cells or not, but those are the only things that uh, that they they report. Some of them uh, report uh, good things, like uh, uh, in, increased energy, and uh, even if they didn't come for that, it came for the knee injection, and then they say I have increased energy now, or their their vision is getting better. Mm-hmm. So these are like uh, like bonus, uh, you know, side effects that are good. Right. Um- one other question I had was, you know, when someone has um, like a stenosis, you know, a lot of times, you know, they don't want to go in and they don't want to do surgery and it's uh, a persistent, constant, chronic pain. Sometimes, you know, surgeons want to go in and they want to denervate, right, um, mm-hmm. to try to deal with the pain. Is stem cells something that would be able to help a person that has stenosis? Did you mean uh, stenosis in the in the spine? In the spine, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. In fact, I'm I'm a good example myself because I had the same thing happening in my neck. All my seven cervical vertebra is abnormal because I've been a surgeon for fifty years. Uh, Leaning over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bending over in the wrong direction. The the cervical spine is supposed to be con convex con- uh, forward, but uh, by bending down, maybe convex concave, and then it. Uh, made all the vertebrae completely distorted. And yeah. that, of course, affects the nerve uh, nerves that come through this opening. And uh, even as a surgeon, I was rather scared to have uh, an operation because you can, it can go very well, be completely <laughs> normal, or you can be paralyzed. For Especially forever. in the neck. Or, yeah, you can die. They die on the table. So one of those. So I, I, I didn't want to go to a, uh, go a, a, even have a, a surgical opinion. So I knew uh, I, I was not going to have any surgery. So I tried uh, uh, simple therapies like magnetic collar, Reiki, and uh, acupuncture three treatments. 
and uh, stretching myself uh, with the over-the-door uh, neck stretcher and uh, wearing a collar and all that stuff. And there came to a point when I couldn't even drive properly because I couldn't turn my neck. Every time I turned, it was severe pain with uh, almost like a cogwheel type of pain. And uh, finally, um, at that time, I had started doing the stem cell therapy and said, I'm doing stem cells with other people. How about for, for myself? So I got got a friend of mine to give uh, stem cell therapy uh, intravenously. And within two months, my neck is the neck got completely, not completely, uh, but 70% better. So I had another treatment done, and now I'm like 90% better. The, the 10% that is not getting better is because of the abnormal shape of the bone that, that will not change, of course. But I have no pain, and I can function, I can drive properly. So I, I know that by personal experience that the uh, new, uh, osteostenosis and new, the the nerve entrapment uh, problem causing pain in the legs or in the in the local area uh, can be helped by uh, stem cell therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but it has to be injected right into the area. Right. Well, I know that you know so many people that are suffering from pain and have gone through it and then experienced relief. You know, seventy percent is huge for some people. Let alone eighty or ninety percent. You know, people will kind of go, "Hey, I, I, I live with fifty percent." If somebody could cut down right. the pain, like you know, fifty percent. You know, be, um, so. Anyways, one other thing I wanted to talk about because I know that we're it, this show has been uh, just screaming by. We've been. Uh, it's been so fascinating. Uh, let's talk about some of the um, specific conditions that you said that um, people would benefit um, with stem cell therapy, having it done. You said there's a number of different, you know, like from cardiac. And can you list out some of the specific conditions that would benefit from stem cell yes, therapy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the chronic degenerative conditions are the most most uh, common one that they they uh, call me about, and this include the joints or the uh, cervical spine or the lumbar spine. Those are the common ones. The other one, the cardiac conditions, is very good for cardiomyopathy, where the strength of the heart, uh, the ejection function is uh, low, like 10, 15, and uh, uh, that means the patient is ready to have a heart transplant done, and so at, at that point. Uh, uh, the only thing, uh, other thing that can be done is to give a, give stem cell therapy. Uh, it's nice if you can give it right into the heart, but in that that's a little bit problematical because you have to. Uh, it's an invasive uh, method. So rather than doing invasive method, if you give it intravenously, it still goes into the heart, goes into the area, and I have seen a, a increase of stem cell uh, the ejection fraction from 10 to 30 percent with uh, two treatments. And, and they that's a huge increase again. in amount of blood that's able to, you know, be pumped from the heart. That's a big yeah, um, change. Exactly, yeah. The strength of the heart increased that much. So they can pump the blood better so that they won't get the, the peripheral edema and the kidneys can function better. So the, also good for congestive heart failure where the heart has already failed for the same reason. The ejection fraction is low and the, the blood doesn't circulate enough through the kidneys uh, because of lack of power, and the, and the water gets uh, accumulated in the soft tissues, so you get uh, heart failure. And I, uh, also, uh, soon after a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, I should give stem cell therapy within the, after the first two weeks when the patient is stable, then it can help to heal the, the, the dead area in the heart. So this is the cardiac condition. Then pulmonary conditions uh, are mostly, uh, number one is uh, COPD or emphysema, where the patients have to wear oxygen or they can't go up more than 10 yards and those people get better and they can give up oxygen. And then uh, uh, fibrosis, pulmonary fibrosis is a condition uh, very similar to COPD, and, but there is no treatment for that. And if it gets worse, we have to have a lung transplant. My brother, uh, my younger brother in Australia, he had been diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis and he couldn't even uh, uh, walk about 10 yards and he couldn't finish. Uh, he liked to sing. He couldn't even finish one uh, one line of uh, karaoke 
So Cape, at that time, the doctor told him to put his name down for a for a lung transplant. Uh, uh, you know, you had to put down put your name down in a list and wait for the somebody to die to get the to donate the lung. So he was getting very depressed. So I told him to come down here. If you can get on the plane and come, I can do it. But I can't take the stem cells down there because they'll be dead by the time they get there. Mm-hmm. So, so he came here somehow, and I gave him just one treatment. And uh, intravenously, as well as I let him breathe the stem cells into the lung through a nebulizer. And uh, now it's about one uh, one year from the time he had the treatment. The doctor told him, "Don't come back for one year." And he can sing a he can sing a complete karaoke song without getting tired, and he Wonderful. can walk about hundred yards without any uh, problem. Mm-hmm. And to do that's a pulmonary brain. Also good for uh, asthma. Mm-hmm. The next thing is uh, a neurological condition, like I mentioned before, uh, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinsonism, MS, ALS, uh, ADD, ADHD, autism, um, spinal cord injuries. And uh, post-stroke, this, this all can be can be uh, helped with the stem cell therapy. And you also yeah, yeah. mentioned that it's also helpful for erectile disorders. Yes, that is that is another another uh, problem because the part of the, the part of the reason for erectile disorder is uh, uh, the, the lack of blood uh, blood supply, not lack, but uh, diminished blood supply to the organ, and so. If you inject stem cell therapy right into the blood vessels of the uh, the shaft, penile shaft, then uh, uh, after a while uh, the blood vessels uh, grow and they they open up and then uh, correct erectile dysfunction. Sometimes they'll be repeated more than one time. Some some of them need about three treatments, mm-hmm. but uh, there is one one other way of uh, treating uh, erectile disorder. Uh, Lyme disease, another neurological condition. Another one is the autoimmune disorders like diabetes, asthma, uh, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, psoriasis, arthritis, urine disease. So, these are, uh, so uh, literally, stem cell therapy is therapeutic for many different kinds of conditions in the body, as well as quote unquote rejuvenation. And, um, doctor, could you go ahead and give our listeners, um, a website if they wanted to figure out how they could get a, uh, consultation. I noticed that they can get a consultation to find out is stem cell therapy for me, learn a little bit more about your clinic and, you know, what's all involved. Yes. Um, my website is www.stemlv.com. Okay, so it's stemlv, as in lasvegas.com. Well, Doctor, I want to thank you so much for taking some time with us here on Health in Action Live radio podcast and sharing with our listeners some possibilities as far as what their options are when it comes to pain or any of the numerous different types of conditions that you talked about. And also, you know, it's so encouraging when you hear a physician that's trained, you know, with surgery, you know, to also look at the other aspects of helping to heal the body and looking at the person as a whole. So thank you again for being on the program. Have a wonderful evening and we'll be in touch. And thank you for the opportunity. And yeah, you have you do the same. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. Right. Bye for right. now. Okay, so 60 Minutes of Healthy Talk Radio, some simple solutions and possibilities for relieving pain. I want to give a simple, a quick thank you to some of our sponsors, Cancer Below the Belt, Tustin Longevity Center, Richard Pullman, um, Betty Hawkins, Dr. Porteus's Academy of Chiropractic Healing Arts are just a few of the people and companies that help support Health in Action live here on the program. Any of you that are interested in donating and supporting the program so we can help educate more people and plant seeds 
needs of wellness, just shoot me an email at Annette at healthinactionlive.com. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, um, go ahead and shoot me an email. If you have any questions or any suggestions, I'm in, I'm in. Annette at healthinactionlive.com. Every other Monday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Bye for now.